Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Great to see you. It was about three years ago or so I got home from the office and my wife begins to tell me that there was a problem while I was gone. Uh, She says that the towel bar, you know, kind of the old style towel bars, you got those little ceramic pieces, glue to the wall, plastic piece in the middle. Uh, We had that in our bathroom and it just totally collapsed. Both sides collapsed on the ground. Uh, Big holes now in the drywall. And uh, she's and she says, she said, I don't know how it happened, but it's on the floor. I mean, so I left it. I wanted you to see it. And uh, so she I said, well, now we only had one child at the time. My wife was pregnant with my son, Xander, who's now three. My daughter, Mia, was about uh, two and a half. And I had an idea as to who the culprit could be. So I go into uh, her room. Mia was playing in her room. And I said, um, Mama. Uh, do you know how the bar for the towels, you know, the bar for the towels, do you know how it broke? No, Poppy, I, I don't know. I was swinging on it and it fell. I, I really have no idea how it broke. Okay, famous last words. Um, you, you ever, uh, speaking of famous last words, you, you ever have someone um, in your life just speak something to you? Is that like a critical moment in your life? Maybe right before you got married, someone just took you aside and just shared something that was like, man, this has just defined me in, in marriage as a husband, as a wife. Maybe when one of your kids was born, someone shared something with you and you're like, man, that's powerful. Uh, and it just, you know, really moved you. Um, uh, when I graduated from high school, um, and some of you know that uh, I didn't really do so well in high school. Um, I, I was on the five-year plan. And uh, so I like to say being a senior was the best two years of my life. And uh, but I remember everyone talking about their graduation gifts. And uh, one girl in particular, I remember her saying that her parents got her a BMW for graduating from high school. And I was graduating a year late, so I would have been fine with a BMX. Um, But anyway, I I didn't. So um, I remember it was the graduation and it was at this kind of uh, this. It was at this place that used to be around called Sunrise Musical Theater. That's where our our graduation was. And so I went to, uh, we went to graduation and I was in line, um, you know, kind of getting, you know, everybody's kind of making sure you're wearing your cap and gown the right way and all that and your tassel and all that stuff. And, and my mom comes up to me right before I uh, walk on the stage to get my diploma. And I remember it's taken me an extra year. And I, and, and you know, and, I, and I'm thinking like, this is, she's going to like just share some deep words. This is going to be just a you know, one of these phrases that I'm going to remember my whole life. And she just comes up to me and she says, Robert, um, it's about time. That was it. And uh, so that's kind of where it went from there. And uh, now I tell you that because um, where we're going to be this morning, we're not going to be studying for Second Thessalonians. We're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy this morning. And the reason why I tell you all of this, is because the book of Deuteronomy is such an interesting book because it's this series of addresses where Moses is addressing the people of Israel. He's giving them his final words right before they go into the promised land. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt. They'd come out of Egypt 40 years wandering in the desert. And now they're on the precipice of of taking a step into the land that God was going to give them. And before they go in, Moses slows them down enough. And he gives them these addresses and he shares with them, hey, these are the things that God wants you to know. These are the things from my heart that I want to share with you um, that that are important for you to know. And I think you and I would both agree that if Moses is going to stop everybody moving to say, hey, this is what's going on, that we would need to kind of hear that. Right. And um, but 
they aren't just important to those guys who were there that day. They're important to us. They're words that um, are very poignant to us that are living today, and I believe they're poignant to us, those of us that, are, that call Calvary home, and we're going to step into the future and where it is that we're going and what it is that we're doing as a church. Now, if you're here for the very first time, um, I'm, I'm just going to tell you at the outset, um, it's going to feel like you are sitting at the dining room table with somebody else's family as they're having a very serious discussion. But I think there is a good thing here um, because, that you're going to gain from it because what you're going to gain is really the heart behind, your, behind this church. And you're going to understand, um, you know, maybe some of the misconceptions that you have about church. Um, you're going to be able to kind of witness it and see firsthand, like, oh, now I understand why churches do this or why um, this church does what, what it does. So what I want to do is um, start, if you have your Bible, iPhone, iPad, open it up, whatever, um, and open it up to um, Deuteronomy chapter 26. And uh, that's where we're going to start. And uh, we're going to hop to a few different places, but I want to read to you the, this one particular address that Moses gives to the people before they go into the land of promise. Here's what it says. It says, and it shall be when you come into the land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, put it in a basket. And go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who was priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to a country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father was a Syrian about to perish. And he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, and became a great nation, mighty and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, laid hard bondage on us. And then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and looked on the affliction and the labor and our oppression. And so the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror and signs and wonders. And he brought us to this land and has given us this land, a land flowing, us, flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. And then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you in your house, you and the, the Levite and the stranger who is among you. And when you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase and in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, so that uh, they may eat within, the, within your gates and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, according to, your, all, according to all your commandments, which I which you have command, which I have commanded, and I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten away of it when, it when I was in, when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given it any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you swore to give 
to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, um, it's kind of a long address, but I wanted to read the whole thing and then explain it to you. Moses is talking to a group of people who have been slaves for 400 years. Um, And they did not have much to speak of by way of possessions. But they were coming into a land that God was going to give them. And not only were they coming into a land where God was going to give them, but he was going to give them home and property, and they were going to own it outright. They were going to conquer the land. They were going to own this land. And then they were, what, what God is commanding them is that there's going to come this point in time after you're in the land and, and the land has produced for you that you're going to take the first portion of that and you're going to put it in a basket. And, you're, and then you're going to go to the priest. And when you go to the priest, you're going to declare three things as you leave the first part, the first portion, the tithe, the, ten, the first 10%, and you give it to the Lord before the priest, and here's what you're going to say. He, they would do number one, what we read in verse three, is that they would go before the Lord and they would declare what God had done for them. He says that he has brought us into the country that he has promised us. That every time that they would give, they would remember everything that God had done for them and how good God had been to them. That they would even be able to, to, to give. The second thing is, and we see it in verse 5, is that they would declare kind of an odd statement. They would say, my father was a Syrian, uh, ready to perish, and went to Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of an odd thing to say, just like at random. My father was a Syrian. I'm like, all right, okay, it's fine, you're all right with that. Um, but it's a weird thing to say, but it was part of their history. Um, the father they're referring to, of course, is Jacob who went down to Egypt because, and we read about this in the book of Genesis, that there was a famine in the land. And then they went down from uh, Israel to Egypt where there was uh, grain and food because through a whole series of circumstances, uh, Jacob's son Joseph, who had been sold into slavery by his brothers, through an amazing work of God, had become the second most powerful person in Egypt. And now um, he was able to then provide for his family. And so they're like, hey, Our father was a Syrian living in Egypt. He was ready to to perish. And then he went down to Egypt and he became a very populous, great and mighty people. Seventy two people went from Israel to Egypt and then became slaves. Four hundred years later, when they left Egypt, there was two and a half million of them over the course of 400 years. And this led, of course, a Pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, didn't know who he was, didn't know the work that God had done through Joseph and then he started to oppress the people, enslave the people. And they called out to the Lord. The Lord heard them and rescued them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, as we just read, and took them out of Egypt and have now led them to the very edge of this land that they were going into. And the point is this, whenever they were supposed to bring their basket, they were to remember their story, where they came from, how they had nothing. And that they were supposed to remember what God had done with their forefathers and what God had done with them. That they had cried out to God and that God had heard them. And then the third thing that they were supposed to do is what we read in verse 13. That they'll say before the Lord, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and I have not forgotten your commandments. It was a statement of obedience to the Lord. That they have not forgotten his commandments and that's why the first thing they did was remove the tithe and bring it to the house of God. Because one of the things that can happen when things are going well is that we forget God. And I know it might sound weird. Man, does that really happen? Yes. Many times it's when things are going really well that we can forget. 
In fact, sometimes we can forget what life without God was like. And we start to think that life was a little more exciting before we came to know Jesus. And uh, I I would even say this way, and you can tell um, if we believe that by the way we tell our story. You ever heard somebody tell their story of before they came to know Jesus and then when they came to know Jesus? and, And it's like before they came to know Jesus, it's like life was awesome. And then they came to know Jesus, and now it's like, well, what do you do now? You know, it's like, dude, before I came to know Jesus, we used to party. Woo! We used to do all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, then, um, then I got saved. And now I go to church. And, um, and I, 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 I TiVo touched by an angel reruns. And that's, and between that and my little pony, that's pretty much what I do. You know, and, you, and, and you're like, wow, that's like the worst thing ever. Like coming to Jesus, like ruined your life, apparently. Um, and, and, and the reason is, and here's what it is. We forget what it's like to be a lost person. We forget what it's like to not have the peace of God in our lives. To not have the spirit of God living in us. To not have uh, the work of God happening in us. And guys, I, I mean, I've, I've told you some of this in the past that I, I have... Uh, you know, my, my, my pa- you know uh, that my past is a little um, crazy in the bands that I was in. And, um, you know, like I was in a band with, uh, and I've shared this with you before, that uh, the guitar player for Marilyn Manson and I were in the same band. Uh, I still keep in touch with him to this day, and we're still friends. Um, and, uh, but see, and I remember, and I remember all the crazy stuff we did, but I also remember being completely miserable. I remember feeling, playing in front of thousands of people, who were into our music and feeling empty and lonely. I was achieving everything that I desired. And I was so empty to the point of being ill. And my friends, it's a terrible feeling to climb to the top of a ladder and realize that it's leaning up against the wrong wall. And see, I have to remember that. Because if I don't, I will romanticize the old days and think that they were so good. And, and, and it's because, well, I'm a musician. Do I miss playing in a band? Of course. I, I enjoy people being into the music that I write. But see, the flip side of that is that I, what we can sometimes forget. Like, my life had no direction, no meaning, no hope. And I was alone in this world without a clue as to how to live a life that matters. And it was in that mess that Jesus found me. You see, I talk to a lot of people and they say, you know, I've been searching for God all these years. Not me. That was not my story. I was not searching for God. I was running in the opposite direction. I was running as far away from God as I could. From the time that I was 13 years old, I had one goal, become a rock star by the time I was 20. And I I was 17, and I was just about there. And uh, and sure enough, it didn't taste as good as I thought it would be. And I thought that popularity and fame and influence and all that would give me the thing that my soul longed for, and it didn't. And Jesus found me and saved me and put his Holy Spirit in me. And, and here's what can happen uh, many times for us. We just forget. We don't remember the past as clearly as we should. And what will happen is, is that we take for granted the peace of God that we have in our lives, the clarity, the wisdom of God that he's put into us. And we think, well, it feels just like this, except we could have been doing something else. No, no, no. It doesn't feel like this. It's imagine emptying yourself of everything that God has done in you and the changes that he's made in your life and the work that he's done in you. And now put yourself back in that like, whoa, 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 I don't want to do that because that sounds horrible. But see, that's what it was. But sometimes we can have this kind of rosy uh, idea of what the past was. And see, 
we can forget where we came from. And the whole purpose, one of the reasons that we give is that when we give, it would be a reminder to us that God has given so much to us. And it's just in the act of giving that we say, God, I remember. I remember where I was. And I remember what you did. And I, rem- and I know where I am. And I know it's all because of you. But see, Israel forgot that as well. In fact, I'm going to read a passage that at the outset, I'll be honest with you, it sounds kind of strange without a little bit of background. So I'm going to read the passage. You're going to be like, wow, that's weird. And then I'll give you the background. You'll be like, yeah, not so weird. All right. So here's how it goes. It's in your, it's in your notes in Amos chapter 4. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, because you always want to open talking to cows. Um, and you who are, who are the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. The Lord God has, given, has sworn by his holiness, behold, the days shall come upon you when I will take you away with fish hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. And you will go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and you'll be cast into Harmon. Says the Lord, come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning. Your tithes every three days. Offer a a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the freewill offerings. For this you love, you children of Israel. Now let me give you a little bit of the background. Bashan is an area, if it, you don't have to be uh, a, a, like a scholar on the ge- geography of Israel, but to the north of Israel, to the south of Israel, Dead Sea, kind of a peninsula called the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, to the north of Israel is what's called the Sea of Galilee. 91% of Jesus' miracles were around the area of Galilee. And so Galilee is the only freshwater source in the Middle East. So, And as they say in the desert, water is life. And so uh, you can imagine the area, the land around the Sea of Galilee, when, when Galilee would overflow in the flooding seasons, that would be the richest, most fertile area. And so the cows that were in Bashan, in this area around the, around the uh, Sea of Galilee, they were the best fed. They were the fattest of all in all Israel. All the other cows looked on at the cows of Bashan and be like, they had total cow envy of like, dude, I would love to be... One of those cows. Those were like the celebrity cows back then. You know, the E! Channel had a show about the celebrity Bashan cows. Because those were like the best, coolest cows. They had everything. This this was like the Beverly Hills for cows. And so, now the issue is, these were the cows that had so much, right? And yet, here's what he says. What he's essentially saying is this. You're the cows of Israel. You're the cows of Bashan. You have, I mean, it's overflowing. You have everything that you could want and more. But... You, you, you won't bring the basket. You've actually forgotten that your father was a Syrian who was perishing. You see, God's plan was for God's people to remember what God had done for them every time they gave. Every time they brought the basket, it would be this statement of faith and this reminder that God had done so much for them. And so, and, and what happens to you and I, every time we give, here's what we do. We're reminded of what God has done for us. That when I give, here's what I'm reminded of. God, I'm giving, but you've, you, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. And, and that there's this understanding, and it's supposed to be a reminder. Every time that I bring, I give and bring the basket to the house of God. It's a reminder of how God gave to me, and I'm eternally grateful for all that he's done for me, and how, where he found me, and where he's taken me. And so, now, 
it's a gift that he's given me, that he's given you, that we can never repay. And so what does he ask? He asks that we bring the basket so that for the very purpose of us remembering that our father was a Syrian who was perishing, that we were perishing, and that God saved us. See, one of the questions that comes up, and it, it, it goes something like this. Why is it that some people find it very easy to give? They, they hear about tithing and giving. They're like, okay, sounds good. It's very easy. Some people, it's like this huge struggle. And why is that? You see, I believe it really comes down to one thing. Because one group remembers, like in the passage, their father was a Syrian who was perishing. It's like they were, they were just totally lost. And God in his love saved them. And when they understand that and recognize that, now uh, it becomes very easy to give because they realize how much God has done for them. The other group doesn't realize that. The other group forgets that. And so even though God has blessed abundantly, it's hard to give when we see everything that we possess as ours. Now, let me give you a, a disclaimer, if I can. Because I know, especially in a service like this, some of you are here for the first time. Some of you are newer. And, and, and you're like, is this like a you better give so that God will love you kind of message? Um, let me say that that, no, it's not. In fact, that is actually completely contrary to the teachings of the Bible. Here, here's what the Bible teaches, that God loves you, period. That's it. God loves you, period. Just like if you're a parent, um, you love your kids, period. It doesn't matter what your kids do or don't do. You're going to love them. I have three kids, and it doesn't matter uh, what they do. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to love them. And yet, here's what you'd know, is that now you want your kids to obey you because you know that it's going to be better for them. And so you say, well, if my kids are going to, if my kids are going to love, if, if I'm going to love my kids, no matter what, does it even matter for them to obey me? I mean, my, your kids could burn your house down and you're still going to love them. Now, you're not going to give them a book of matches, but you're saying, you know, hey, I'm still going to love you, but let's keep the flammables away. Right. And so, but the same thing is true. Um, but here's what you know, as a parent, you know that life works better for them if, if they obey you. That not only does life work better for them, but that you're actually, if they will obey you, that you'll actually become the people that God wants them to be through your training. As the, as the Bible says, that if you train a child in the way he should go, when he's older, he won't depart from it. And so let me, um, so let me shift gears if I can. Let me tell you a little bit about what's been happening here at Calvary. Um, over the last few months at Calvary, we have experienced something amazing. Uh, we've seen more people come to know Jesus this year than at any other year in our history. We've seen more people baptized than at any other year in our history. We've seen more kids come to know Jesus in our children's ministry, in our youth ministry, than at any other time in the history of our church. I mean, it is amazing what God is doing. And we may not realize that we're just part of this outpouring of God's spirit, but, but we are. And, and it's us working together, partnering with God as, as he seeks to reach people. And, and as we have just felt that in our hearts and, and, and what's happened is we've been able to experience that and, and, uh, and see him work in our midst. Now, while we've seen people getting saved, people attending the church, kids coming to know Jesus, youth coming to know Jesus, people being baptized, all increasing and going, you know, up, up and to the right. Here's what we've seen. We've actually seen the giving at Calvary go down and at, very, at the very best be erratic. Um, now let me kind of, let me say a couple of things. Because um, like I told you at the very beginning, that this is more of like a, you know, we're sitting at the dining room table 
having a uh, you know family conversation. Let me um, just share a few things. One is this is important to know: there is no sugar daddy in this church. That like I wonder who what sh- who the sugar daddy is that bankrolls this whole thing. There is no sugar daddy. I just want to tell you, all right? There is no endowment from the Queen of England from 1812 that actually funds churches. It's it's not. Instead, here's what it is. God's people bringing the basket and through God's spirit, um, God doing doing an amazing work. And, And if you've been here for the last six or 12 months, you've heard me teach on giving, you've heard me teach on tithing. That tithing is taking that, that calculated first 10% of our income and bringing that to the house of God. And the Bible teaches that in Malachi 3 and other places. And if we don't bring the tithe, and this is the part that maybe we don't talk about enough. Um, it, a lot of times what we talk about is kind of the blessing of giving and what God does in your life when you give and all that kind of stuff. Let me give you the flip side of that. The flip side of that is when we say, well, eh, I don't think I want to do that, so I'm going to withhold the tithe and keep it. Um, what the Bible says if we withhold the tithe is that not just the 10% is cursed, but all of it's cursed. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have 90% that God blesses than 100% that's under the curse of God. And now let me give you a little bit. There are people in this church who are incredibly faithful. And, God, and they could tell you story after story of God's faithfulness and blessing in their lives. And, and many of you heard my stories of the amazing things that God's done in my life um, over the years as we've seen God, um, God bless my family. And, um, and that's why some people say, you know, I, oh, I can't afford to tithe. I couldn't afford to give. And I would just say um, for you to consider, you can't afford not to. You can't afford for God not to be involved in your financial world. Because you know what the thing is about God at being the perfect gentleman that he is? If you say, God, I don't want you involved in my financial world, okay. And he takes a step back. And then things get crazy and job loss and, well, what happens? And foreclosure and all kinds of crazy things. Happen. Oh, God, where are you? Remember you asked me to stay out? Uh, well, I want you to, see, I'd like you to come back in for the blessing part. I just don't really want to do much of the obedience part. And see, it doesn't really work that way. Um, you know, if you can't trust God with your resources, let me just be real blunt here. If you can't trust God with the resources he's entrusted to you, you're probably not trusting him with much other, many other things in your life. Um, because you say, well, I'm trusting God for salvation. Well, yeah, like what other choice do you have? Like, well, I was gonna, I'm trusting Jesus or I have this coupon that I got for Black Friday that I'm thinking about using. Like, dude, that ain't going to work. Um, and so, it's, so you've got that. But see, here, here's the thing is that what proves that we trust him for the intangible is what we do with the tangible. Now, here's the deal. Let me, let me share something um, along these lines. During the summer, right, during the summer months, we just passed summer a couple months ago, um, giving goes down every summer. It has every time for the last 12 years in the history of our church. And the question is why? It's not like there's a bunch of people who leave the church over the summer and then decide to come back in the fall. Oh, well, you know, people go out of town and then they forget and then or, you know, if they're not. I mean, why tithe if you're not there? You know, you, at least maybe, you know, if you're going to at least if you're going to tithe, you may as well enjoy the show. Right. Um, and so and, and, you know, we don't say that, but that's sometimes what we think. And then uh, during the summer, you know, we go out of town. And so we stop giving to God's kingdom and we start giving to the magic kingdom. And uh, that's what we do with with that. Right. And, and, and here's what happens. And now the problem is 
um, Mickey ain't going to help you. Like, you know, uh, well, Mickey, it's, it's gotten bad. I lost my job. My, my house is in foreclosure. See you real soon. That's, gonna, that's it. That's the only verse he's got. Um, that and it's going to be $18 for that hamburger. Um, and that's, that's, for, that's, that's it. Now, the reality is, now, so, so think about this. Why does giving go down over the summer? Because I think that this is a microcosm. I think this whole idea of the summer is a microcosm of what happens in our hearts. Um, is because we believe, sometimes some of us might believe, that the church is the purveyor, the provider of religious goods and services. The church is not the provider of religious goods and services. So, oh, I tithe because I'm there because I want to enjoy the show. But if I'm somewhere else, then I'll just give my money somewhere else because I'm enjoying that show. No, see, the church is not the purveyor, the provider of religious goods and services. The church is the movement of God on the mission of God. In our role as Christians who are part of a local church, here's what our role is and our responsibility is. To bring our basket to the house of God so that we are in obedience to God because we remember where we were when we didn't know God. And if our heart is this, if our heart beats for those who don't know God, then we will gladly bring the basket and say, Lord, I remember where I was before you found me. And I know that there's countless people in our community who don't know you. And God, I pray that whatever I give goes to that purpose of reaching people that are far from you. You see, um, the truth of the matter is, is that all of us enjoy ministry here. See, some of you have met or will meet at some point in time in your, in your time here at Calvary, in your life, will meet with one of our pastors for counseling, for some guidance, for some biblical instruction on a situation that you're dealing with. And at the end of your hour or two that you spend with one of our pastors, you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to say to you, all right, I'm going to pray for you and then print out your invoice. Right? They're not going to say, why? Because counseling and ministering to you is what we do. It's part of the ministry of this church. When you bring your kids into our children's ministry, right, there's no cover charge for you to bring your kids. Well, you know, we have a two-for-one deal this week, so, you know, you get two kids. You get, no, you, no, we don't do that because teaching your kids, partnering with you to train your kids in the way they should go is part of what we do as a church. Even though what we do quality-wise is a hundred times better than what any kind of daycare would do and the content that we bring is actually training your kids to love the Lord and to walk with Him. Many of your teenagers are in our youth ministry and we're not charging at the door. We're not charging admission. Why? Because that's what we do. We're training your kids and teaching them in God's word. Now, let me share another thing. Do you know the facility that we meet in isn't free? What? Yeah, well, but it's a school. I mean, you know, no, no, no. Do you know we pay to the tune of about 1500 bucks a week to meet here? And, you, and that's actually a pretty good deal because um, we've been here for a while. And, 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 and so, well, you know, and so there's no other church, no rich uncle, no grant by the king of England that's funding the church. God provides for us as God's people are faithful to bring the basket and give. And see, and then before you start thinking, because this is, I, I, I know where some might go. Well, you know, it's going to be a lot easier once we own the property and we build the building. It's going to be so much easier. Yeah, because, you know, because renting an apartment is so much more expensive than owning your own home. Uh, no, no, it's, it's the other way, isn't it? Yeah. And, and that's exactly the way it is here. Renting here is cheaper than owning a building and a property and, and paying for it. 
And, and those are the facts. And, and, and my friends, if we want to step into the future, into the future that God has for us, we have to be faithful. Moses has this conversation with the people when? Right before they're about to walk into the land that God is going to give them. And so this is a very appropriate conversation for us to have at this moment, at this time in our history. Now listen, let me just tell you. If, if, I, just, if I can just be honest with you, can I just tell you that it, just, it hurts my heart that some of you just don't trust God? It does. I'm telling you this as your pastor. It, and some of you have been around for a while and it's like it hurts me that some of you just don't trust God. That you've forgotten the blessing of giving and the blessed life that it brings. And let me just tell you, and, and I think, let me just give you this little disclaimer. This has nothing to do with me. It's not like, uh, you know, things are tight for the pastor, so let Bob put together one of these messages, you know. It's not the way it works. Um, in fact, you know, God has provided for my wife and I that it's like, he can take care of us without my salary from the church. I'm going to keep writing books. I'm going to keep doing the stuff that I'm doing. Um, and uh, because, you know, God's going to still provide for us. So that, it's, not, it's not about me at all. What it is about is about what God is doing in this church and what God is doing in each of our lives. That we need to be faithful with little. The Bible says if we're faithful with little, little, then God will make us ruler over much. Can I tell you this? And this is part of what kind of what, what, what hurts me is that this was not my intention. This was not my desire. I did not want to have this conversation. You know what I wanted to talk about? The message that I was been preparing all week before I just, you know, we, we just realized like I've got to talk about this at some point or, you know, this thing's going to go off the rails. Um, my goal was to spend today finishing Second Thessalonians, talking about missiles that are going into Israel and what that means, missiles that are coming out of Israel into the Gaza Strip that has incredible significance to Bible prophecy and the return of Jesus. That's the message I was preparing. And now, and instead, we're talking about this. And that's why I say, you know, if you're visiting this morning, by the way, you picked a heck of a Sunday. Um, but I, here's, what I, here's what I hope. Um, this is not a topic. This is not a conversation that we broach often. But here's what I think is really important. Um, is number one that, that you, under, and if you're here for the first time, let me just talk to you for just a moment, that you understand the heart behind why we give. And I understand these TV guys and they, you know, pre, you know, give and God will make you rich. I hope you haven't heard any of that today because I don't believe any of that. Do I believe that God blesses and, and does an amazing work with people? Yes. Do I believe that tithing is like playing the lotto? No, I don't believe that at all. Um, but I, I, I do know this. I think there's moments in, 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 with a family, with a congregation, that we have to just talk like adults. And we just have to have a serious talk and say, hey, this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. Um, and so here, and, and this is the thing, that we are ready to step into the future of our church. And we have to be ready to step into the future. It's going to take all of God's people doing what God commands us for us to be able to step into the future. Doing the three things that Moses says in Deuteronomy 26 to remember what God has done for me. To say that my father was a Syrian perishing and, and, and he saved him and he saved me. And that I've removed the tithe from my house and I have not forgotten the commandments of God. Now, I want to tell you three things if you call Calvary home. And that's why I'd say that if you are here for the very first time, um, this message doesn't really apply to you. 
Um, this is a, this is a, if you're here. So the cool thing is, is that, you know, it's a real serious conversation. You just get to watch and there's no pressure. So that, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, but if you're here and you call Calvary home, I, this is, I think, the three things that I would really, that I just have in my heart that I want to share with you um, as, as we begin to bring this to a close. And it's in your notes. Number one, here's what I would say to us, that we need to be faithful givers, faithful in our giving. I will tell you unashamedly that I believe that the, the key to living a blessed financial life, I'm not talking about being rich, I'm not talking about being Donald Trump, I'm saying that living a blessed financial life, that giving is the key to it. Because when we don't give, our money is cursed. But when we put God first in our financial life, we give the tithe, God is able to bless that more than we could ever work it out for ourselves. Here's what the Bible would say. This is in Malachi 3. He says this. He said, should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? Where did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me in the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of hosts. There's several things here that are important. But the first thing that I think the key is, is that God promises to bless the person who's faithful and honors him in tithing. And by the way, tithing, and I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but tithing is not just giving. Tithing is not just taking, well, whatever I've got in my pocket and put it in the offering. Tithing is a calculation. Tithing is calculating that first 10% of what I earn and giving that back to the Lord. Notice what I said, not giving it to the Lord, giving it back to the Lord. Because according to the Bible, the tithe belongs to him. And when we don't give it back to him, we withhold it. When we withhold it, God curses it. And then the whole lump of it is cursed. And that's why when we give the first 10%, the 90% is blessed. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have 90% blessed than 100% that's cursed. And what does it look like? Let me show you what it looks like. Um, Let me show you when when the 90% is blessed, let me show you what it looks like. In Deuteronomy 29, same conversation Moses is having. A couple chapters later. During the 40 years I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. God has a way. Of making tires go farther. Making engines last longer. Making vacations cost cheaper. Making homes sell quicker. And that begins by putting God first. Now let me say this as a disclaimer. If you decide, I'm not going to believe this. I'm not going to do it. And that is your prerogative. That's the beauty of America. That is your prerogative. To decide, you know what you say? I think it's hogwash. I'm not going to do it. Okay, but here's what I would say. I make no promises to the person who says, I'm not going to tithe and I'm not going to honor God with my finances. I have, I, 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 there's no promise I can give you that God is going is to do this great thing in, 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 in your financial world. You can read the Bible all day long. You can come to every service that we have. But if you don't obey God, it doesn't help. Let me show you what the 100% curse looks like. This is in the book of Haggai in the Old Testament. He says this. He says, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? while this house remains a ruin. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. 
You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, but only to put them in a purse with holes in them. You see, what God says to us in the Malachi verse is to test him. This is the only area of life where God says to test him. And he says that if we trust him and tithe, that he will open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that we will not be able to contain it. Now, let me be extremely practical here if I can. And you say, well, well how, do you, how do you give? Listen, every week when you come in, when you get your, your, uh, your pen, your connection card, your outline, we give you an, a giving envelope. And so you have the opportunity to give by cash, by check. You can even actually give uh, by credit card through this. And if you say, well, I don't want to give that way. Okay, you can actually give. You take out your smartphone. You can go to calvarygive.com and you can give that way. Well, I don't know if I want to give that way. Then you can go out to our lobby and there's a giving kiosk. You can slide your card. You can give that way. So I don't know if I want to give that way. Well, then you go to PayPal and you can actually give that way. You say, well, I don't know if I want to give that way. Then you can go to your bank and set it up automatically to give. Now, here's the point. And I know I'm saying this to kind of the point of absurdity. The point is, pick a way to give and be faithful. What we're doing is, I'm not saying this, is, this needs to be hard. I'm saying we're doing everything we can to make it easy for you to be faithful in your giving. So here's the second thing I want to tell you. We need to be faithful givers. Number two, we need to understand biblical giving. We need to understand biblical giving. In the Bible, there are three types of giving. I'm going to give you all the fill-ins at once and then explain the three. Number one is tithing. Number two is offerings. Number three is alms. Tithing, as I mentioned, is, is, is a calculated, is calculated giving. I, I calculate the first 10% of what I earn and I give it to God. I give it back to Him. In Old Testament times, that went to the temple, the place where people were growing spiritually and getting and receiving ministry. In our case, that's the church. If Calvary is your church home, then you give here. If Calvary is not your church home, you're just visiting, then you give wherever your church home is. But that's where the tithe goes. It goes nowhere else except to your local church. The second one uh, is what the Bible talks about is what are called offerings. And this is where we have freedom to give wherever it is that God is leading us to give. You might say, oh, there's a missionary work that I want to support. That's offerings. There's a ministry that's doing good work. There's a charitable organization that I want to, that I believe in and want to get involved in. That's offerings. That is all above and beyond the tithe. My wife and I um, support a couple of missionaries that, that we just believe in what they're doing. And, but that's all after we give the tithe here. Blueprint would fall into this category. The building fund, that all would fall into this category. Uh, that is separate from the tithe. And let me just say, one of the things that we've seen is we've seen uh, people that who, who give, they'll say, well, I was giving just, you know, generally, but now I'm going to take that and just direct it to Blueprint. And so we've seen kind of the general fund go down, and then we've seen the building fund go up. But it's the same amount, which doesn't really help. Because ministry needs to continue here until we get there. And so, and, and, and while, and let me say this, I certainly appreciate the heart behind it, which is, I believe in what's happening. I believe in what God is doing. I'm believing for a better future for, for Calvary and for all of us. And, I, and I, I appreciate that heart and that sentiment. And at the same time, I think sometimes we do that because we simply aren't aware of what biblical giving is. The tithe is something that's calculated. It goes to the local church. It's us returning it to God. Now, 
Offering is where we have a little more flexibility above and beyond the tithe to be able to give in areas that we feel are important, areas where we would say, you know, I think God is leading me to do something here. The third one is alms. What are alms? This is when you would help the poor or someone else that's in need. If you have a family member in need, if you um, want to help someone who's homeless, that's fine. Um, this is, and you want to help them financially, that's almsgiving. Um, I, I've had people say to me, but see, that's not tithing. Tithing is the first 10%. It goes back to the church. Offering is maybe there's a ministry that you want to get involved in and support. That's offering. Alms is when we decide to just help someone who's going through a tough time and we want to give them assistance. I've had people say, well, I tithe by helping out my mom or by helping out my brother. Well, unless your brother is God, uh, that's not tithing. Well, his name is Jesus. Well, that's fine, um, but it's not. <laughs> well, that, so, glad you like that. Um, but listen, that's not, that's, that's not tithing. Tithing, that's alms, that's helping someone out when they're in need. Tithing is mandatory for believers. And that's Christianity 101, by the way. That's just the basics. The other two are optional. And here's what my hope is. My hope and prayer for all of us is that we would be so faithful in the tithing part that God would bless us so much that we would be able to be generous in, in the other two things, in offerings and in alms. And let me tell you the last one as we close. Number three. And this is where um, it's a little closer to home. Here's the last one. Number three. We need to be faithful. Uh, we need to fulfill our commitments. We need to fulfill our commitments. Some of us made commitments to the blueprint, the blueprint campaign. And I'm asking that you fulfill your commitment by the end of the year. Um, as you know, when we started this, um, this journey... Um, now, 14 months ago, we said it was a 15-month campaign that's ending next month, uh, I, you know, ideally. And so um, we're asking that everyone would fulfill their commitment by the end of the year. Now, number one, because we made a commitment, it's important to keep our word. But also in a very practical way, because uh, in the next 60 days, we're going to be closing on the land that we're purchasing. We're going to be... Um, and so there are expenses that are needed to cover the the things that, that are happening just to keep this schedule. One of the things that we've said, and we've set a goal that we want to be in, in our new property by Easter of 2014. To stay on that schedule, there are things that we have to do. Um, there's resources that are needed for us to close on the property. There are soft costs like surveys and appraisals that banks require um, if they're going to loan us the money for uh, the, the property itself. There's the closing costs on the property. There are initial architectural costs to master plan the facility um, so that we can submit that to the city and get our architectural plans moving. So that's about $80,000 worth of expenses that we need to lay out by the end of the year. Uh, that's in addition to the quarter of a million dollars that we've already seen come in that we've saved that's designated for building that's already ready for the closing of, of the property. And so here's what the Bible would say, and this would be my challenge to you. In Proverbs 16, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And so my challenge to you is, some of you, are, you came in after that, and you're like, I had no idea about, I saw a blueprint, but I have no idea what it is. Well, now you know what it is. And now you have an opportunity to, to maybe get involved and make a big difference here at the end of the year. And I know some of you, there's like end of year giving that you want to do. And sometimes kind of above and beyond. And this is an opportunity for you to get involved and make a big difference. 
For some of us, it's, man, I've never tithed, and I know what it is, but I've never done it. And maybe that's the challenge that God has for you. You know what? I'm going to be faithful and start um, doing what God wants me to do. And if I'm faithful with little, then God will make me ruler over much. And listen, I think more than anything, this is our moment. This is the thing I feel in my heart, that this is our moment. This is the moment where we step into the future. This is the moment where you step into your future and your relationship and trust of who God is and experience um, God, God's blessing in your life like maybe you've never experienced before. That now is the time to trust Him. Now is the time to obey Him. Now is the time to see what God can do in your life when you give yourself to Him wholeheartedly. We'll never experience it. You'll never experience it until you take this step and trust Him. Let's pray together. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love, that you love us, period. And yet, Lord, our desire is to obey you in response to that love. That you've been so good to us, that you loved us. When we weren't seeking you, when we weren't following you, you found us. You saved us. You changed us. And for that, Lord, we're eternally grateful. And no gift that we give you could ever repay that which you've done for us. So, Lord, help us. Give us courage to be faithful with little. That we might be entrusted with much. In Jesus' name.